blitz. It's a blitz. Welcome to our PBL Project Blitz series, where each month we are highlighting the work of some awesome teachers in the PBL classrooms. Every guest will share out one of their favorite PBL projects, and we'll get a chance to discuss the impact of these projects on the students, the community, and our guests. We hope you find our guests as inspiring as we do. Welcome to the PBL Playbook, brought to you by Magnify Learning, where we equip teachers with project-based learning tools today so they can engage and empower their students for the future. This podcast will give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom, just like you, and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game. Now, here are your PBL Playbook hosts, Josh and Andrea. Gotta find a better way. Hey listeners, welcome back to another episode of the PBL Project Blitz. We're here with Rhonda Adamson, who is in Decatur Township in Indianapolis, Indiana. Rhonda, can you just uh, do a little introduction of yourself and your PBL background for our listeners? I'm Rhonda Adamson. I have been teaching at a project-based school for, this is going to be my 10th year. Um, It's my 11th year teaching. My first year was traditional. Um, my second year, we created a PBL school within a school at the middle school I was at. And then um, four years later, I moved to the high school in our project-based learning uh, community at the high school. Awesome. We're really excited to have you here and, and talk about some of the projects or one of the projects that you've done um, and, and get to share that with our listeners. So uh, go ahead and get us started by just telling us a little bit about this project, kind of give us an overview of, of what the project was, what the kids were working on, maybe the standards you covered, um, you know, talk about maybe any community partners you might have had and, and just give our listeners a feel for, for what the kids did in this project. Uh, Well, the project itself stemmed from um, us actually getting together with the Children's Museum of Indianapolis, the Indianapolis Children's Museum, with the museum curator, um, and we sat down and just kind of brainstormed an idea. Um, They were going to be opening a new exhibit. It was a Hot Wheels exhibit um, the following May during race time. Um, in Indianapolis, and they have education days where they have um, students come in from the uh, community, and they go around, and uh, usually they have, like, different stations where they learn different things, and they wanted the Hot Wheels exhibit to be ours, like, our kids would educate the students coming through um, about Hot Wheels, And so basically we just sat down and came up with this idea where they would design and um, actually create these racetracks. And um, they were like the hot, the hot wheels size, the scale of a hot wheel uh, racetracks. And they would then educate 
the students coming through about the forces in motion on um, on that track, the forces that act on the race car on their track. And um, so educating them in the, the science realm and then also talking about how Hot Wheels themselves, like scale, um, how they use scale to create their Hot Wheels cars. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's how it started. Um, and we rolled it out with the Children's Museum coming in, um, the curator uh, coming in and basically giving that spiel to our kids, talking about what they were gonna do and what they wanted our students to do. Um, we started off with kind of a really fun little mystery um, project activity. We kind of gave them clues of what they were gonna be doing um, some images, some videos, and then um, we had them guessing, and then the museum curator came in and talked to them. That's really cool, and I'm just jumping in. Uh, so I've, I've been to the Children's Museum with my niece, and I totally remember the Hot Wheels exhibits. Yeah. And I mean, for those of you who aren't from the Indiana area, the Indianapolis Children's Museum is, is pretty well known, and it's probably one of the better ones that um, or more well-renowned ones in, in the country. So it, it's pretty cool um, to, to have kids be part of that um, and to be working on that. So um, kudos to you for, for connecting with them and, and uh, taking advantage of a great, what well, sounds like a great community partner. Yeah, we also had another community partner. So the international race car driver, Pippa Mann, uh, partnered with us and she came in and um, talk to our students about, cause one of their need to knows was like how the car um, reacts with the track itself. And so she came in and talked to our students about like when she's driving the different forces that she feels and how she handles it while being in the car. So, and just the different safety fixtures and stuff that's in, in with those um, and the reasons for the safety features. So um, they all got to meet her, and she also helped us evaluate at the end, too. So she came back and uh, judged the uh, tracks, and it, it was a really fun time. We, we tr treated it kind of like an um, American Idol type thing. We gave them golden tickets because only we could only take 10 um, just for travel purposes. Uh, we could only take 10 groups. I say 10, it was 10 tracks, so it was 10 groups, so 40 students. Um, and so we kind of had to eliminate some, and so like we gave them golden tickets, and if they got a golden ticket, they got to go to the, the Children's Museum and present out. Um, so there was kind of like the, the tryouts um, session. It was when they presented, they presented out, but they presented to some of our elementary students. Um, that we have an elementary that was right across the street. So the students came over, they presented out to them, Pippa Man and the museum curator, and they gave them feedback um, so that they could get better at how they're presenting their information. And that's also how they evaluated and we picked which ones would actually end up going to the Children's Museum. Awesome, this sounds like, I mean, Hot Wheels are such an iconic toy. You know what I mean? That Kids have played with, I remember playing with my brothers, playing with Hot Wheels. And so I think even though there's so much content coming in, like this is just a chance for kids to have fun and to make a toy that I'm sure a lot of them played with when they're kids. So um, talk about the student impact. How did they react to this project? How did, you know, at the end of it, um, what were some of their reflections 
about the work that they did with this? Um, the students were really excited. Uh, they were actually kind of, they kind of like tripped out a little bit about the fact that the scale model or the scale factor that the Hot Wheels use is on the bottom of the car. Like they found out what those numbers were and they were like, that's what that is. And we're like, oh my gosh, it actually means something. And so then we, you know, we related that into the scale factor and proportional reasoning and, you know, scaling stuff up. They learned that um, the Hot Wheels cars are actually exactly to scale according, like the ones that exist. So like the cars that are real cars, they actually scale them down. And they thought that was just amazing because then they learned how they could scale up that car and make the exact or find out the exact measurements of that car. So they thought that was really cool. Um, they got to pick their own themes uh, so they could theme their track just to make them more fun and interesting. And so they kind of got to put their own little twist in on it. Uh, they had a lot of fun with that. Uh, the, so this project happened, um, I like September, October of the school year. But then, like I said, the opening of the exhibit wasn't until May. And so like they had this big gap from when they like they presented out, they got evaluated, we found out who was going to go. They had all these months before they were actually going to present it. So they had to like re remember all this stuff. And it was so amazing to watch. Like we had these tracks set up in this like big storage closet and these kids would like cram themselves in this closet during lunch, during their lunchtime when they're supposed to be like hanging out with their buddies just to like improve it and make it better and to sit and play and do trials and try different cars and see which ones work the best on it. And it was so neat to go in there because we, we would go in and, you know, we'd have to sit on during our lunch and watch them and we would go in there and they would just be talking math and science. And it was really cool to, to see that and hear that going on. Yeah. When, when we try to talk to uh, facilitators and teachers who aren't really sure what the impact of PBL, those are the moments that as a, as a facilitator, you just go, Oh my gosh, like how do I, how did I get all of these kids to voluntarily come in at lunch and talk about math and science, right? Like it's because you've created a real world ap applicable um, project that lets them discover the reason, you know, the reasons behind why we learn, we learn those skills in school. So talk a little bit more about that. This was a, you said this was a project that you did a little while ago. It was earlier in your career. What was the impact it had on you in terms of like your development as a PBL facilitator and, and learning that PBL process? Um, this one was a pretty big one and um, I hadn't done one that large, like that involved and I was kind of scared when I was going into it because it, I like looking at, it, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be so much. And, but in doing it, I realized I was covering more material in a short amount of time, a shorter amount of time because the kids were into it. The kids were like, they were wanting to learn it. They were wanting to do it because I was freaking out. Like, how am I supposed to teach them how to present? I mean, like I had two full lessons where it was just like, let's build your presentation guys. This is how, like, we've got to figure out how to present, how to make a nice presentation. Like, how do you do those things? How do you speak in front of people? And that intimidated me because I'm a math person. I got to cover the math standards, you know? And, but the fact that they were learning it so much quicker because they wanted to learn it 
gave us that opportunity and they wanted to learn those things too. Like they were asking for that. Um, I, and there were some things that they were asking for that we didn't even think of, you know, like how are we going to transport this stuff before we even started it? Like we didn't think about that. And the kids were thinking about that and it just, it to me made me realize that if the kids are engaged and really fully invested in the project that you're doing, you're going to get the stuff covered in a shorter amount of time. So you can do all of those other skills that they really need for life. You know, you can work on those collaborative skills. You can work on the communication skills. You can work on making them be professional. Um, and you know, you don't really think about that in math class. So what about you, you know, you talked about your couple of community partners and obviously there were students coming through, um, like, seeing the exhibits and learning from your students. So what was some of the community impact and um, maybe how did your community partners, um, that first layer of community partners, how did they kind of react to their, um, when they were giving the evaluations and then during the actual exhibit, what was some of the community impact? Uh, the community partners themselves. So the museum curator, she was really excited. Um, it it kind of took a load off of her because it was an area that she didn't have to worry about finding people to teach. Um, the kids themselves that came through there, the, I've, I mean, I've got videos, I've got some pictures of them like playing with the cars. They were so into, cause they got to actually like take the cars and put them on the track and watch them go. And they were into that as well. So it's not like they were just, I have to go to this boring person teaching me this boring stuff they were into what they were doing and what they were hearing from our students and I think it was better coming from students you know instead of an adult it was someone more their size more their age teaching them about it so they listened more um Pippa Mann had posted right after um we finished the project, we sent her thank you cards for like helping and being involved in it. And our students made them and she had like shared out, like she had laid them all out. And she was like, this is the best thing I've done in my whole career. Like, you know, I mean, you wouldn't think that as someone that's a race car driver, like she's into that kind of thing, but she really enjoyed working with the kids and seeing that. Um, Dr. David Wolf is the astronaut that, um, was he just happened to be at the Children's Museum. We got lucky. He happened to be there the day that the Hot Wheels exhibit was opening up. And he like stayed at our area for, I'd say probably an hour and a half, just going around and talking to the kids. And he was so thrilled that we were doing those activities with the, the students. And he came over and was talking to us and saying, you know, that he thought that was amazing. It was getting the kids to love math and science. And, um, I mean, he, he was willing to become a, a community partner in other projects that we might want to do, um, because he saw the impact that it was causing on the community. Yeah, that, that's powerful. I, I think when, when we recognize, um, and, and think about the power of letting kids uh, explore and play in the fields that we want them to learn in. I think we, we get the results that, that kind of give us chills and goosebumps, especially when you get those experts who come in and are just blown away. Like, I think 
the more we can let kids shine, I think the, the better, I think the better everyone is for it. Right. And I think the, the projects that you, um, that we create can do that. And it sounds like this project definitely hit that mark where you've got that chance where it's like, all right, here's what I thought it could be. And then kids just take it and run with it and, and make it something that, that has that lasting impact, not only on them, but on their families and on their school community and the community uh, in general. So uh, again, great job with this project. It's really awesome. And thanks for being able to share it with us. Uh, before we kind of maybe think about um, wrapping up, is what, what advice might you give to teachers who are maybe just starting PBL, maybe some veterans who've been around longer, but people who, who want to kind of develop that PBL practice, what might you tell them or um, what advice might you give them to, to help them in their journey wherever they may be? Um, I would say to think big. Um, get your community involved. Whenever you're trying to figure out a project, um, let the community kind of drive it and not just like you and your standards. Um, it, I mean, depending on your subject, like I know math is in everything. Um, now there's some stuff that, you know, it's a little bit harder to, to get that exact thing that you need pulled out for math. But if you look into the career or the community that it like in directly involves, or it's, you know, there's a reason you learn this math stuff, right? So if you dive into what that is, and you reach out to those careers or those people within your community, they will help you build the best project. Like I said, my, the one that I'm talking to you about, my favorite one is the one that I sat down with the community partner and my co-teacher and helped build that project. It wasn't us driven, it was the community need driven. And I think like doing that piece in it, um, some more advice I would give them is, um, Try to stay structured, as structured as you can be. Uh, have the plan kind of laid out, but also be okay with changing depending on what the students need and how the students take you. Um, there's been times where I've been doing projects and I've had to change the rubric in the middle. Like we, you get everything all nice and set up and organized and then you're like, you guys are right. We need to do it this way. So that's what we're gonna do. And we're going to have to change the rubric now. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to change that. And you have like, you got to be a little willing to, to give on those things and be willing to change and be transparent to the kids. Um, also don't be, don't beat yourself up if the project wasn't the best, especially when you're beginning. And I look back at some of my first ones and I'm like, what was I doing? Why did I do it that way? But you learn. I mean, the best way to get better is to reflect and, and look at that and think that like, okay, well, that wasn't so great. Let's change that next time. And then you end up having some pretty awesome ones. Thank you. I think that's some awesome advice for, you know, no matter where you are in your PBL journey, just uh, to consider all those things. Well, thank you for spending some time with us and sharing your project with our listeners. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Ready, break. Thanks again for joining Josh and Andrea for the PBL Playbook, where we give you the playbook of real PBL facilitators in the classroom just like you and help bring you strategies and tools for your PBL game.
If you want to reach the pod, you can tweet at AskGIEBS, at MissB103, and at MagnifyLearning. Or you can email the PBL playbook at MagnifyLearningN.org with any questions, thoughts, or ideas you have. Also be sure to show Josh and Andrea some PBL love by rating, reviewing, and sharing the PBL playbook with other educators. 